0: You're listening to Arts Talk Radio, and I'm Michael Hasted. We bring you interviews as well as news relating to all aspects of the arts in Holland, which are either in English or where language is no problem. We concentrate on events in Amsterdam, The Hague, Rotterdam and the surrounding areas. Arts Talk Radio Online. Interviews and features on the arts in English. It's good to be back after a fairly long break over Christmas and the new year. For the first programme of 2024, we talk to theatre maker Nicole Boitler, whose new production Atmen has just opened prior to a nationwide tour. And we welcome back Wendy Fossen, who's going to talk about an exhibition at the Panorama Mestag in The Hague. And we finish off with some music from the Amsterdam Cello Octet.
1: Arts Talk Radio Online, features on the arts in English.
0: One of the most exciting and original theatre companies in the Netherlands at the moment is the Amsterdam-based Nicole Boitler Projects. And we're very pleased to have Nicole Boitler herself on the line. Thanks very much for joining us. Hello. Uh, Now, your current project is about climate change. And at the moment, you're in the middle of a trilogy, which is called Rituals of Transformation. And the new piece is called Atmen, or Breathe in English. Now, to start with, can you tell us a little bit about the trilogy as a whole?
1: Yes, sure. Um, The trilogy has the title Rituals of Transformation and in it I was very busy with um, um, uh, dealing with the climate crisis and the uh, position of the human on the planet and the potential future that we could have. And I based the trilogy on the alchemical process of um, transformation of metal into gold. And that is described in three phases. Like any transformation, also in a psychological way, is uh, described in three phases. And uh, the first phase is the black phase. It's kind of the, the end of everything that you know. The second phase is the a white phase, the in-between state of things not having changed yet, but on their way to change. And the last part of the transformation is the golden or the red phase where uh, consciousness is at its fullest and the change has happened. And um, so I made already two pieces. The first one was Ginkgo or 56 million years ago, there were palm trees on the North Pole. Which, in which I dealt with, um, uh, I'm, I created a farewell ceremony to, the, to humanity as we know it, with overproduction, overpopulation and the idea that human being is the only species that drowns in their own waste. Um, that was a maybe heavy subject, but I thought it's beautiful uh, in the end to uh, to meditate on saying goodbye to certain ideas and convictions, and to create space for new ideas and new ways of living. Um, the second uh, uh, the second part of the trilogy is called Atman. Evolution is silently unfolding, and that is what we're touring currently. We created it. It had its premiere in October last year, and. Um, In it, I depict a world that is overgrown by nature. So nature is catching its breath back. Um, Nature is overgrowing the theater, also the place that we thought um, where, where human culture was dominant. But now that human has moved into the shadow and out of the center and is no longer the dominant force on the planet, the theater is overgrown by nature and the human is at the side so mm-hmm. it's a it's a kind of future vision or it's an exercise in thinking a possible future.
0: Okay, I think when we last spoke, uh, which was about a year ago, you were directing the Gluck Opera, Orpheus and Eurydice on the beach at Scheveningen, and I asked you then if you considered considered yourself to be a choreographer or theatre director or theatre maker, and you said definitely all three. Um, And and I think that's very much the case because you are involved in all elements of the theatre, total theatre in fact. And I think for Atmen, you've taken that a step further, and I think you've transforming your theatres so the whole theatre becomes a playing area.
1: That's right, yeah. I I studied fine arts and I studied physical theatre or did intensive courses in physical theatre and only then I studied dance. So for me it's quite natural to be interdisciplinary and the music theatre... Uh, has become very attractive to me because I think the sense of listening is so much more immersive than the sense than the sense of looking. So I des- uh, so in that sense, all these different aspects for me are relevant and creating a piece of art that um, in which I want to tell a story, but I really weigh which element is is helpful to do that. And in the case of Artman, the space was so important like the that the environment that we are in as humans has changed or is changing and that that plays a role in where we are on the planet and how we are on the planet and how we live together and we become more and more aware of that so in that sense to transform the theater as such was an essential part of this project.
0: There are people who who may think listening to this that your, your, your message is very pessimistic that we're all doomed but I think that's not the case is it I think you're very optimistic about what's going to happen.
1: Exactly, so that is the funny thing. I think that in the news, um, the doom scenarios they kind of they imprint themselves in, in our brains and it's very hard not to think negative about the future at the moment. And that's exactly why I use the stage that I have as a theater maker, choreographer maybe I call myself, like, uh, I work on composition, composition of all elements, and that's a sort of choreography. Mm. Um, I take that space so as to create visions for the future and um, a vision that helps us think beyond the doom scenario, that helps us uh, imagine a future. And by doing so, I think um, I I can... propose maybe a direction, which I don't know the path to it, but maybe it already opens imagination in order for us to act differently in the present. And uh, so in that sense, for me, these exercises of the future are a hopeful and optimistic thing. It's a, It feels like we are in a mess, like humanity doesn't know or was not aware Well, we were since the Club of Rome in the 70s, but we didn't act according to it that the the earth has limited resources. But by stopping there, we just become apathic and scared. And so I want to depict... uh, um, I want to cherish and use the theater for the space for imagination for a future and for a future where we find each other, where we uh, uh, are in a better balance with the environment, where with technology, with the five kingdoms animal, plant, fungus technology, and humans that we coexist in a different way. And for that, I'm Inventing strategies, images, just and to in- inspire people. Well,
0: I, I'm sure you will, because your theatre is totally immersive, and you you really can't uh, avoid the issues. But alongside the um, the actual performance, I think b- b- before the show starts, you have um, uh, things happening in in the, in the foyer of the theatre, the uh, meetings yeah. and, and, and and things like that.
1: Yeah. That's right, so um, uh, parallel to the performance, we create an impact program because the subject matter of the works, I translate it into images, which means that it leaves a lot of space for reflection, for interpretation of the of the of the audience. And in order to dive deeper into various aspects of the content, we create a program together with other partners in each city where there are conversations um, with specialists, there are installations with um, artists that work with alternative means. Um, there's, it's really meant as a meeting place. So whoever has a ticket to the show should come in at least an hour earlier to immerse themselves in the foyer, in the installation, in the conversations that take place uh, before or after the show. Because we play twice on an evening and it happens before the first one and between the two shows as well.
0: OK, so um, Atman is on tour um, until the beginning of March, I think
1: Actually, actually until June Ah, we it's have, in June, uh, yeah We have a show every month uh, It's a very widespread uh, tour this year But so, so we go through various cities yeah, in yeah. the Netherlands yeah. So you're,
0: it's, it's, it'll be somewhere in the Netherlands uh, for the next six months or so Exactly OK, well, Nicole Beutler, thanks very much indeed
1: Thank you very much Folks, if you're looking for a great, great publication, Arts Talk magazine. They talk about the arts, and it is so great, bigly, it's the only news that is not fake.
0: I'm at the Panorama Mestak Museum, and I'm with Dr Wendy Fossen, the art historian, and we're at an exhibition of paintings of the Hague School of, of Children. Yes. Uh, it's called the Hague School. Now, this isn't a school that they all went to and sat no, at a desk, no. is it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. It's, a, it's an art group uh, and um, they were famous for their works uh, around the Hague and uh, especially the uh, scenes along the, the coastline for instance, uh, but also um, in the countryside around the Hague and they were very um, popular, not only here in the Netherlands but also abroad so you find their works also in American museums and English museums all over the world.
0: Mm. And this idea of, of, of children, this wasn't a specific thing, it's just you Pictures have yeah. been collected of children. Wasn't yeah. it? it wasn't a, a thing that they actually did.
2: No, it was definitely not um, a focus of their work. They were um, um, focusing, like uh, for instance, the founder of this museum here. they were at the Panorama Mestach, and the founder of the museum, Hendrik Willem Mestach, he specialised in um, scenes of um, boats along the coast and. Yeah, that's a, what you
0: always think of. At the beach yeah, boats, beach boats,
2: and beach and, yeah. and, and scheveningen the harbour. Mm. Um, but every now and then children also featured in these works but they weren't their focus some of them um, did a lot of children. The interesting thing is that whenever there were children um, clients would pay more so about 130 us more for a painting with children than um, paintings without that children.
0: Maybe it so explains why I <coughs> should so many. So just to make it clear when actually did the Hague school run from what was the period of it?
2: Well it's say the last quarter of the 19th century and a bit of the early 20th century. So they were basically the, the Dutch version of Impressionism, Realism combined more yeah. or less. And it's,
0: it's very identifiable you can, yeah. you, you can always spot them.
2: Yeah. Here we have two paintings that deal with um, the donkey rides on the beach. It was very popular. And when uh, Scheveningen Harbour, At at first there was just the the fishing boats, um, and that was it. We had no harbour yet. The harbour didn't come until 1904. The the boats were drawn onto the beach. Um, But when the um, tourism arrived in, the, say, the last decennia of the uh, 19th century, there was an alternative source of income, because this is all very nice. You know, you see the children playing, because children um, of all classes play. That's what the theme is of this particular first room.
0: OK, moving on.
2: Yeah, so that's the first room. Um, shall we go to the yeah. second room? Shall we do this these ones first? Um, so, ah, famous uh, Dutch
0: cows. Yeah,
2: the famous Dutch cows. And um, those were typical chores for children to do um, uh, herding the cows, herding the sheep. Um, and they worked with their parents on the farms along their parents. Um, So we're here looking at these paintings where we see the working life of these children. And of course, I think if I had to choose, I'd rather be a farm boy than a fisher boy, because, you know, um, less uh, possibility of dying on the job, (laughs) I suppose. Um, But we have here a beautiful painting by Anton Malve, and he was very, very famous also abroad for his sheep. Um, I don't know whether you know about the sheep coming and the sheep going, the sheep coming um, um, were more expensive than the sheep going, because with the sheep coming you would see the sheep and their faces rather than the bumps. So, <laughs> he was very famous for and they still... They,
0: they seem very conscious of the uh, economic aspects yeah, of yeah, their work. Yeah,
2: Very much, very much. And that's also one of the reasons why they sometimes included these children, because the more poverty-stricken these images are, the more you played on the emotions of the viewer, and therefore you could sell for more money sounds and they a little were,
0: bit cynical to me
2: uh, it is, very much, and that brings us to this painting here, because the painter of this painting um, is Valimous, and well, this
0: she, is a very large one very and it's large an interior, one. and it's uh, yeah. two children, or I suppose 10, 12 years yeah, old
2: yeah, and they're, they're just having a break from um, creating baskets Um, and um, weaving baskets and um, they're just lying about and uh, having a break and they look very poor. They have clothes uh, which are um, uh, torn and mended and no shoes, black feet. Um, But this is a a very romanticised idea of these boys. And that's, again, that's sold Because we also see very prominent, and something that lights up the painting exactly uh, as it should, is the remains of an orange. You see orange peels over there. Most of the painting is rather um b- with brown natural colors but the the orange and also the porcelain bowl, yeah, to, actually to
0: nice bowl. stick out and, and the kettle, well, brass kettle.
2: especially the, the the porcelain bowl or the earthenware which kind of resembles something Chinese and also the orange are something are objects which are totally out of place with these boys these boys will never have tasted an orange and never have had such an expensive bowl um so that's why uh, Bali mouose the painter of this painting Kind of romanticizes this painting or this, this, this scene. But she was one of the very few who was actually um, struck. By the poverty of these children. Um, this, this
0: is the, the image that was used as, a, as publicity for the exhibition. And this is of a girl, I suppose 10, 12 years old, looks like a sort of hunchback, yeah. and, and yeah. she's a match seller. She's and match, a uh, match sellers were very much a, a, tra- a trade for children, like fire sellers and things yeah, like that. Yeah. So it's, this poor girl is standing somewhere in the street, there's a shop behind her. We
2: actually know, or kind of know, where this is, because when you're familiar with The Hague, you probably it's recognize It's the arcade, it's the, yeah, yeah, it's it's the, the, it's, it's the Bassa. Well arcades sounds more yeah. like a gaming hall, to yes, me. Passage, exactly. <laughs> but it's the passage uh, and she's standing so um just outside and you see in the background this shop or rather a restaurant uh, you see it's lit it's warm, and you see somebody sitting with a top hat over yeah. there, so that's a world that she will never be able to reach
0: no, She's looking very unhappy
2: yeah um, here we have um Something interesting because one of the one of the reasons uh, one of the the events that sparked this exhibition is the fact that 150 years ago we are celebrating the. Um, um, a law against child labor here. Um, and we call that the law of Van Houten or the child's law of Van Houten, the kinderwetje van Van Houten. Um, and that is become very famous um, and that was um, accepted in 1874. And um, Van Houten here we see on a large portrait painted by his daughter, Barbara Van Houten. So she painted this portrait of her father. There's another in the first room, there's a large um, um, girl with a doll. Um, uh, probably another niece, uh, and there's another drawing in the next room. So there's plenty of, of paintings that she painted, but within the family, more or less. Right. The law that von Houten presented, and that was accepted in, by the House of Parliament, was that uh, children uh, of under 12 were no longer... Um, uh, Did no longer have to work in factories, um, nor night work was no longer allowed, but it wasn't really enforced. So you still see on these photographs that these children were working. When you were working with your family and in the house and in the countryside, Mm. nobody checked that. So that's why you see them uh, here um, uh, peeling shrimp at home. So that was something that was done at home. Moving on. Yeah. um so we have these school painters very interested in um, scenic and picturesque and cute children on uh, the scenes um, since they sold well, but of course they also painted their own children. We have a, a group of, of three paintings here um, where we see... Um, uh, the children of uh, Jacob Maris and of Anton Molf. Um And uh, the children are very, very uh, cute to see. And there were sometimes presents, presents for their wives. But there's special attention to the one and only son of Hendrik Willem Mesdag and Sintje van Houten Mesdag. And that's on this one here. Because we know Hendrik Willem Mesdag for his you know, the beach scenes, the, the boats on the sea. But that's right, actually. That's uh,
0: almost Vermeer, isn't it?
2: it? It does look very much like um, the, the realistic kind of painting that you would do when you're um, just a starting painter. You wanted to paint something very realistic. Um, you have to know that Henrik Willem Mesdag was um, uh, trained as a banker. He worked as a banker for quite some time, um, but he had had drawing lessons when he was younger because his father was very much interested. Interested in art, and he and his brother Taco, who also became a very uh, f- uh, uh, famous painter, um, got drawing lessons. So he knew how to draw, and that was basically his passion. But he had to work uh, in the family business, and that was fine until Sintje Mestag van Houten had a large inheritance. So, with that, she said to her husband, Listen, you want to paint? just take this opportunity and let's go and go to Brussels to train with a number of painters How over there. How old was he then? Um, he was around 30, I think. The, the woman that you see there, and she's probably uh, trying something out in, her, uh, in the mirror opposite to her, which we can't see, but there's beautiful light coming in from the window behind her, um, and that kind of... Um, um,
1: Charter, right?
2: Yeah, there's a diagonal line of light which points to the little boy uh, which is uh, sitting on the ground uh, playing uh, with um, um, a little elephant which is attached to a red um, uh, ribbon and there's another, um, there's n- a number of toys scattered around him. But the sad thing about this scene is that um, this is one of the few paintings that we have uh, uh, along with um, a, a very small painting here in a... a, a display case which shows a group portrait uh, of a boy standing on the left hand side um, with a a number of other children including Barbara van Houten as a child the the painter that I just discussed and we have also a number of um, pictures, photographs of uh, Klaasche as well as a small drawing that he made in his father's sketchbook Um, and we um, see also in the display case a beautiful letter written by Klaasche to his grandfather um, uh, Klaas Mesdag, the father of Hendrik Willem Mesdag, whom he was named after, um, and it's in, in beautiful writing, beautiful paper, uh, and it's, it's, it's something that they must have cherished after his death. And they had only him as a child, and after that moment, when Klaasje died, Sintje Mesdag van Houten, who was also painting but had to take care of her son, started full-time painting. So from that moment on, she was a full-time painter. She exhibited nationally and internationally and stood her ground very firmly amongst all these male painters of the Hague School.
0: Wendy Fossen, thanks very much indeed. We're at the, um, what calls Hague School? The Hague
2: School Children.
0: Which is at the Panorama Mestag until, you know, the closing date?
2: Somewhere um, in May. Somewhere in May, so there's oh, yeah. so
0: plenty yes. of time. But it's highly recommended. Okay, Thanks very much, Wendy.
2: Yes, you're welcome.
1: Arts Talk Radio Online.
0: To finish we have a track from the Amsterdam Cello Octets album, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Cello Band. And this is It's Getting Better. I'm Michael Haston, so until the next time it's goodbye. Bye.